Hi, this is Father Bill W. here in Austin, Texas, and I would like to welcome you to another episode. Um, I am an Episcopal priest in long-term recovery and um, got really, really interested in the history of Alcoholics Anonymous many years ago and started studying the Oxford group and was fascinated by a process that they did called two-way prayer and started doing that, totally changed my life and uh, studied it and, and have taught it to other people. And I'm seeing now how it can really have the power to change the lives of many people. So if you haven't visited our website called Two Way Prayer, TWO, uh, I hope you'll do that. And uh, also attend one of our workshops. We just did one last Saturday, had uh, close to 300 people uh, joining us. And it was really, uh, really wonderful to see people come alive with their conscious uh, contact with God, uh, taking uh, maybe a, a, a whole quantum leap in their program. So uh, please do that. And I uh, look forward to hearing from you. If you want to drop us a line, uh, you want uh, information on those uh, workshops, uh, just drop me a line at twowayprayer at gmail.com and I'll send you a flyer that'll give you all the information you need. Uh, in this, uh, this series, we're going into some real depths uh, with a book by uh, Dr. Edward Edinger. It is titled Ego and Archetype, and there is a copy of it, uh, a PDF copy, that you can access in the show notes. I encourage you to do that, uh, particularly just kind of go chapter by chapter as we're going through it, and it might help you with some really nice illustrations and things that he has. Uh, and I hope you're not finding this too, too difficult. I've had some feedback from folks that they're really enjoying the, the information, but sometimes they have to listen to a podcast a couple of times in order to get that. And uh, I can only say, well, join the group. Sometimes I read Edinger's chapters three, four, five times. Uh, I know there's truth there. I know there's something important there. But it is, it is, uh, it's kind of simple, and yet uh, it's it's so deep. It, it seems difficult at first. So, quick recap, maybe of uh, of what we're doing. Um, I'm watching a, one of those English shows uh, called The Lost Kingdom, and uh, each episode they give a give a little recount of the of the story, and I find that really helpful because uh, I missed some of the some of the pieces. So I'm going to try to do that uh, for us right now, <clears throat> Edward. Edinger says this. He says that when we are born, we are born in a state of inflation. And what he means by that is that uh, in the womb, there is no developed ego. All is one. All is joined. Uh, consciousness has not really happened. It's kind of a state of oblivion. And then comes birth the separation, the expulsion from the womb, and, and then begins the process of, of growth and development of what? Of an ego, a sense of self. So what he's saying is, in, in the beginning, we were connected to the greater self, but now comes along an ego, which must develop separate from, but connected to 
that other self. He calls that self with a capital S. I'll try to refer to it as the greater self uh, so that we can, we can stay clear. <clears throat> so that's the, that's the purpose, particularly, he says, of the first half of life is to, is to grow that self. And, uh, and, and you know, so he, he's, he's into depth psychology. Uh, and and it's, it's going deep inside to see what is happening at, at the level of conscious and unconscious connection. And, uh, and he points out, and I will as well, that uh, our religious myths and stories are, are a way to express what is happening uh, as this consciousness evolves. You can look at the whole... Uh, uh, Bible as as the evolution of consciousness. Uh, you can look at the the many myths and stories of of different cultures. They are the evolution of of that that joining or unjoining between ego and greater self. When we unjoin, when we disconnect, there comes an experience of what he refers to as alienation. It's disconnection from the greater self. And, and how does that come about? It comes about, he says, and this is where the inflation piece comes in, that, that the ego tries to take on divine qualities rather, rather than be rightly related to God. So in order to separate from mother, who is our God image, I said in the last episode, you have the little tyrant who has to assert himself. No, 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 no. I will not do it. Absolutely necessary uh, for him to become a functioning human being is that he goes through that process of separation. And if, if mother is, is wise, uh, she won't take it all that seriously. If she's not wise, she, she may take it personally and, uh, and inflict onto the kid some of her shadow parts that are still hanging around and uh, beat the hell out of them. That's certainly what happened to me <clears throat> in my growing up. I, I experienced a lot of the shadows uh, that were passed on uh, throughout my family. Edinger says this link between the self, the small self, the ego self, and the greater self is what is absolutely critical. And so we're going to go into that still a little bit more deeply in this episode. Um, and, and what he said, of course, uh, go back to the mother example, was that it's absolutely critical that the ego self, when it does act out, which it must act out, all right, that it is accepted back by the mother, that it is accepted back by the divine self, so that there has to be a mechanism whereby we inflate, we, uh, uh, we get ourselves into trouble, and yet we, we are able to come back and get reunited with that source of energy and light and meaning and purpose and all of that good stuff that we gather together and call God. 
Edinger says, and here's a very important quote, in the state of alienation, the ego not only disidentified from the self, which is desirable, but is also disconnected from it, which is most undesirable. So we have to quit playing God, like the big book says, but instantly we then have to be accepted by God. So we don't want to identify with being God, but we want to establish a right relationship whereby the God energy can flow into us. And so what happens when that thing gets screwed up? Edinger says this, the connection between ego and greater self, I'll say, is vitally important to psychic health. It gives foundation, structure, and security to the ego, and also provides energy, interest, meaning, and purpose. When the connection is broken, the result is emptiness, despair, meaninglessness, and in extreme cases, (coughs) psychosis or suicide. So it's here that uh, Edinger goes on and uh, he, we talked a little bit in the last episode about Adam and Eve and, and what's going on with them, which is uh, an example of this. But he goes a little further now uh, in the story of Cain and Abel. Um, and, and again, you have to remember, this is, this is a myth. This is a religious story. And it's trying to convey what this human experience is all about. Please don't take it literally. You know, what, was there an actual Cain and Abel? Uh, I don't believe that. Uh, I believe these are mythical characters that are explaining the human condition. And, and so when, when I focus on these religious stories, it is to learn what is the psycho-spiritual lesson that they're trying to teach. So let me, let me quote from uh, the Cain and Abel story, <clears throat> as he does. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain, the tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings, but for Cain and for his offerings, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? Well, why do you think? <laughs> I mean, if you got two kids, and, uh, and they both bring you some artwork that they just did, and they give it to you, hey? And you look with favor on one and disfavor on the other. How is that other going to feel? murderous, murderous is what Edinger uh, suggests. And he also suggests that God isn't very conscious or or he would know why. So so that there's business, Edinger says, between God and us. That God God experiences God through us. It's a very basic Jungian uh, concept, very difficult to grasp. But uh, 
especially if you've been raised in in a church that you know says God is perfect out there and just wonderful. No, what Jung is saying is God has business with us. And I think the Jewish stories suggest a very similar relationship. It's not the Greek thing where God is up on Mount Olympus. It's where God is traveling in the tent with the Jewish people. He, he's experiencing them as they're experiencing uh, him. So anyway, Cain, Cain is rageful, kills, the, kills his brother, and, uh, and then is damned and sent out into the wilderness. Uh, uh, and, 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 and see if, uh, if these myths, these stories are not continuing to be played out. I talked in the last episode about a guy who, who actually lived the myth of uh, Icarus and uh, flew too close to the sun and, and experienced that, inflated, and then was cast down. Uh, how many people become the black sheep in the family, look upon themselves as that? How many of us alcoholics and addicts you know, feel that way deep inside? you know, rejected and hateful, uh, oftentimes abused and, and, and perhaps rightfully, uh, you know, full of rage and, and anger. Um, it, is, it isn't that, you know, the, the, the parents are always right. No, they, they can screw up and screw up badly. <clears throat> so um, so the, the relationship is broken. This is the important part to, to grasp throughout this whole episode. I'm talking about what Edinger calls the ego-self-axis, the link, the vital connecting line, the channel uh, between the God-self and the small ego-self. And through it comes everything. And without it, if that link is damaged, we're going to suffer. So here's what Edinger, Edinger says. Whenever one experiences an unbearable alienation and despair, it is followed by violence. The violence can take either an external or an internal form. In extreme forms, this means either murder or suicide. The crucial point is that at the root of violence of any form, lies the experience of alienation, a rejection too severe to be endured. Three or four years old, the kid doesn't get what he wants, throws a temper tantrum. I'm going to kill you, mommy. And inside, he really wants to do that, you know? Uh, and, 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 and sometimes I experience my rage and I'm three or four years old, and I really want to kill somebody, you know, uh, or I want to kill me. And this is where we, where we really kind of really start to understand what addiction is about. Uh, so so what, what, what the Cain myth says and what Edinger reminds us of is there's very little difference between murder and suicide and drinking and drugging and, uh, and I'll show you, and I get drunk, you know, uh, it's a form of suicide. It's murdering me. You know, it's the murder of me instead of murder of someone else. 
Edinger gives other examples of this alienation, and and they're taken. He takes them from uh, literature, good literature, because good literature tells us the stories that help us understand what's going on inside of us. Uh, and and writers uh, and poets, they have a way of capturing this, which is very hard to exp- to explain. To put into words, but they, they put them into their stories, and we relate deeply uh, to these stories in that kind of language. So one of them that he uses is Melville's book on Moby Dick, and uh, we usually focus on Captain Ahab and his problems, uh, or on Moby Dick and who it is and what he what it is that the white whale represents. But they are really not the main character of the story. The main character is a guy by the name of Ishmael. And Ishmael, if you remember, is one of the sons of Cain. So the guy, the father, who got kicked out into the wilderness, this is his son who is experiencing some of that wildernessness inside of himself. And that's so important. He's carrying that sense of alienation. He's carrying that sense of damnation, uh, this total disconnection from uh, from the source, the source of life. That's what we got to get hold of. Uh, and I think just about every addict out there, we suffer from this. And so we need to have a basic understanding of what it is you know, why God is so necessary in our life. I want to read the opening paragraph from Moby Dick. He says what? Call me Ishmael. Some years ago, never mind how long precisely, having little or no money in my purse and nothing particular to interest me on shore, I thought I would sail about a little and see the watery part of the world. It is a way I have of driving off the spleen and regulating the circulation whenever I find myself growing grim about the mouth, whenever I find myself involuntarily pausing before coffin warehouses and bringing up the rear of every funeral I meet, and especially when my hypos get uh, such an upper hand of me, it requires a strong moral principle to prevent me from deliberately stepping into the street and methodically knocking people's hats off of them. I then count it high time to get to sea as soon as I can. This is my substitute for pistol and ball, my substitute for murder. With a philosophical flourish, Cato throws himself upon his sword. I quietly take to the ship. God, I just have this image of uh, us alcoholics and addicts walking into the bar. Here I am. I'm here to kill myself. We don't usually announce it that way. But internally, there's a lot of that that's really going on. Continue with the quote from Melville. There's nothing surprising in this. If, if they but knew it, almost all men in their degree, some time or other, cherish very nearly the same feelings towards the ocean with me. Oh, God, let me escape from this. What is it that our addictions offer us? An escape Is it killing me? Well, this one won't. This one won't. But I go back to the last thing I knew that put a little life into into me, that connected me with something 
beyond me. And that is the thing that alcohol, drugs, food, sex, uh, gambling, whatever the hell it might be, that is what these things do for us. And, uh, and, the, and then even towards the end, when they stop doing it, what? Unconsciousness is better than the consciousness that I feel. The not feeling, you know, is, is, is better than feeling. So towards the end of my drinking, I didn't drink to get high. I drank to check out. I drank for oblivion. I don't want to feel, you know. Ishmael goes to the sea. I went to the bar, all right? A couple more quickies. Uh, Goethe's Dr. Faust, uh, Faustus. Uh, so he's a professor. He's a professor. He's a doctor. He's a man of science. And, and, and he's stuck in his head. He's cut off from his center. He's cut off from life. He is living in what Edinger would call a state of alienation. Uh, his, his introduction, here, here's Goethe uh, Faust. Oh, am I still stuck in this jail, this goddamned dreary hole in the wall where even the lovely light of heaven breaks wanely through the painted panes, cooped up among these heaps of books gnawed by worms, coated with dust, stuck in his head, you know, stuck in the ivory tower, you know, uh, but not connected to life. And who shows up right then? Mephistopheles, the devil, he comes with a deal. Have I got a deal for you? It's just like our, our, our addiction showing up. Have I, I can offer you something better than what you got right now. You know, comes with a price, but we'll talk about that later. See? So he, he does the deal with the devil. Why? To get the energy that the devil has to offer. All right? So I think, you know, what, 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 what Andrew is saying and many of the Jungians are saying, and what Jung himself was saying, is that we have lost our connection with the beyond, uh, that religion used to provide that, that, uh, that the medieval mind used to be uh, accessible to that kind of thinking, but it doesn't work anymore. Uh, the images don't work anymore. The God images we have don't work anymore. And so we have to, we have to go inside and find this place ourselves, is, is, what, is what they are saying. And or we can use you. We can use um, the religious symbols, uh, ceremonies, to still access them if we are able to breathe new life into them. If we're able to breathe new life into them, uh, as I said last time, uh, you know the, the gods are dead. And, and look out! Look out! Because man can't live without that connection. And we'll talk about that in, in more depth next time, next episode. But I, I just wanted to kind of hone in on this because I think it's important to get this sense of desperation. I think our new God is economics. Our religion is materialism. Uh, and it's no wonder that so many in our country and, and, and throughout the Western world in particular uh, are, are into so much medication and, and so heavily into addiction. Uh, and, and, and I think what the Jungians are trying to get to is let's go to the depth of what, what the hunger is inside, what it is we are longing for. Um, and, and, and what happens 
when we're able to get in touch with that uh, because it brings life. So I want to do a quick review uh, at this point of, of Wilson. And, and I did a, a series on him. If, if you haven't, uh, go back and check in, in the podcast, uh, The Life of Bill Wilson. In particular, I was interested in his childhood, what was going on there, because that's where he was set up uh, to be, I believe, to become an alcoholic. So uh, he's, he suffers. I mean, he suffers the rejection from his father, leaves home. Uh, his mother leaves him behind. This kid is abandoned. Uh, he has a girlfriend and she dies. He's a teenager and she dies, the love of his life. He's left with nothing. He's empty. He retreats deeper and deeper inside into what? Depression. Depression followed him uh, most of his life. Um, and, and he talks about, uh, in, in his, in his um, autobiography, he talks about some of the first encounters he had with another world, another light, his spiritual experiences. They're not really touched on in the big book. We just focus on Towns Hospital. But there were a series that happened before then. And, and one was he's, he's out looking at the ocean. He's looking over the ocean on, on, on the cliffs. He's getting ready to ship out to sea. He's there with, with Lois. And uh, he feels something. He feels something. He's like Ishmael looking, looking out at that ocean. There's something there. Ocean stands for the unconscious. There's something there. If I can just connect with it. He has it when he has the thrill of battle. A funny one, isn't it? But he talks about that. The ship is under fire. And boom, he feels this, this life energy coming into him that he was lacking before. War does that. Violence does that. All right? It's why, it's why we love watching gore on TV. It feeds, oh, geez, I got some life going now. You know? I can feel the energy running through me, all right? He talks about it in Winchester Cathedral when he's uh, seeing a tombstone. He feels a presence in that sacred space. Maybe there's something, you know? And then he talks about it again at Calvary Mission. This is just about two or three weeks before his white light in Towns Hospital where he uh, answers an altar call at Calvary Mission, the Oxford group place that Ebby brought him to. Uh, and he kneels among the penitents uh, and says, maybe for the first time, I felt penitent too. He had a sense of connectedness. The ego self-axis was charging again. It's like his battery was dead. And now there's some charge starting to come through it. And uh he, he has another bottom uh, just before Towns Hospital, or in Towns Hospital. He goes into another deep depression. And, and, and this is what I want to focus on, uh, that each time um, we get to a bottom, those bottoms can prepare us for the mountaintop experience. They're, and it seems to be that, that uh, they're necessary. They're a necessary part of this cycle that we go through. Uh, people who are just happy, joyous, and free from the day they got sober and they've never experienced any more uh, missing of the energy. I, I run like hell from those people uh, because I don't, I, don't think they're, I don't think they're telling the truth. You know, they're, they're the kinds who can go there, blow their brains out after, after 20 years. Here's, here's what Edinger says on this, and this is very important. He says, the ego 
cannot experience the support of the greater self until it has been freed from its identification with the greater self. In other words, we can't have an experience of God until we disidentify from being God. Edinger <laughs> uh, continues, it cannot be a vessel for the influx of grace until it has been emptied of its own inflated fullness. And this emptying occurs only through the experience of alienation. So be prepared. There's, there's going to be a cycle that's going, to, that's going to go on through our lives where we feel this connectedness to God. We feel this and with an influx of meaning and purpose, followed by, where has it gone? I've lost it. Uh, where did you go, God? And it's preparation. It's necessary preparation for the re-influx of, of that grace. Here, and this is 500 years ago. This is from Martin Luther, a pretty damn good psychologist. He says this, God works by contraries so that a man feels himself to be lost in the very moment when he is on the point of being saved. When God is about to justify a man, he damns him. Whom he would make alive, he first must kill. God's favor is so communicated in the form of wrath that it seems furthest when it is at hand. Man must first cry out that there is no health in him. He must be consumed with horror in this disturbance. Salvation begins when a man believes himself to be utterly lost. Then light breaks in. So I think Edinger, Edinger would say it, it, it is the need of every human being uh, to establish a vital link, a connection between this ego self and the greater self. But I tell you this, for addicts, uh, it is absolutely essential. And, and it, it is, I think, if you look at it, uh, the focus of our 12-step process. That's a roadmap, how to get from hopelessness to hope, how to get from uh, alienation uh, to, to a state of euphoria, at times at least, wherein I am connected to this new source of life and energy and power. All right. Um, Wilson, Wilson was handed a book. Uh, I've talked about this before. It's so important, though. Uh, William James, father of American psychology, writes this book called Varieties of Religious Experience. And in it, he lays out the conditions necessary for a conversion experience, a psychic change. He says there are three, and, and, and they are the three that are mentioned in the big book, just a little different language. So I just want to go over these. James says, there must be a calamity, all right? In the big book, that comes down to, we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. The ego as a going uh, entity must collapse. There must be a calamity that is experienced. Uh, the sense of alienation must go deep, all right? It can't be, well, I got a little drinking problem. No, I'm going to die. 
And if I don't find something, I'm going to die. And it's that kind of realization that has to come. Second, James, the defeat must be utter and absolute. Utter and absolute. And this this is going back to, you know, what uh, Edinger quotes from uh, Luther, that, 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 boy, you know, there's no hope inside me. The hope must come from outside me. Defeat was utter and absolute. Big book, probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. See? Uh, That I'm in the wilderness and I'm going to die and my only hope is to connect with something other than me. You look at the Hebrew stories, uh, isn't that exactly what happens to the, to the Jews wandering through the desert? But God feeds them daily with manna from heaven, a mystical connection that comes to them. Hey, it comes to them. Elijah, there's a story that Edinger quotes where, where he is fed. He's also in the wilderness, and he is fed by the ravens. They bring him food. The birds bring him food. It's, it's, it's like when we are so down, uh, there's a breakthrough that happens. No human power could relieve us of our alcoholism. James then says, an appeal to a higher power for help. An appeal must come to a higher power for help. What does the big book say? That God could and would if he were sought. So it is in this seeking, it is in this journey, this spiritual journey of recovery, this linking of the ego self with the divine self and and watching for inflations when they come along. And they come along, as I said before, in two forms. Um, I'm the greatest thing on the face of the earth or an inflation, a negative inflation says I'm the worst thing on the face of the earth. Either one, look out, look out. But no pain, no gain. Uh, if you've been blessed with depression and blessed with, uh, with uh, negative experiences in your life, it does prepare us for the mountaintop. Uh, damn, uh, is this what it took? Well, takes what it takes, doesn't it? It takes what it takes uh, to get us to come and really surrender and really begin this spiraling process of recovery. I want to stress that it's not a one-time deal. It isn't a one-time deal. Uh, I go through this in repeated episodes of inflation, followed by alienation, followed by acceptance, uh, (laughs) until I can't stand it anymore, and then I go screw up in one way or another. So that's the story of my life. Uh, but but I'm always accepted back. See, God always accepts me back. AA, uh, they always accept us back. We screwed up. That's okay. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. Uh, never, never, ever rejected. And, and, and in time, that's what's going to build up a healthy sense of an ego, a healthy ego that is rightly related to its source. So... I know, guys, this is heavy stuff, and I, uh, I'm i not going to apologize for that, you know. Um, 
it's uh, recovery is not uh, is not surfacy. If, if it's surfacy, you're not going to go deep. So this is a chance to go deep. I hope you'll uh, stay with it and keep coming back, as we say. And next time, we're going to look at some encounters with the self, what that feels like and how that happens. So I thank you for, for uh, listening. Uh, God bless and uh, see you next time.